0: source for community muskoka made talk shows are on muskoka magazine the bay
1: 88 7.
2: hey this is dr shervin muskoka magazine is brought to you by dairy lane dental keeping muskoka smiling for over 30 years please visit dairylanedental.com this is arts r us on the bay good morning and welcome to arts r us i'm noreen mitchell i'm here in the studio with my co-host karen cassian on this december morning good morning good morning and we're pleased to welcome to the studio with us today, Linus Roya. And I will tell you a bit about Linus. She's a fiber artist. She's the outgoing chair of the Trillium Guild, and she's the co-founder of the Rosso Market. Pleased to for welcome joining you. Us. Yes. Thank you for inviting me.
1: It's have- nice to be part of the community and to let the community know know what's happening and how how things have evolved.
2: I have known you for some time, Linus. I've been a part of the Guild since I went to Halliburton School of the Arts and took a spinning course. And Sally Beck and uh, Marguerite Main were there, and they both invited me to join the Guild. And so I did in the following September, which was in 2013. I know, Linus, that you've been a fiber artist for a long time. How did that all start? That's a really good question. I've always been...
1: a I've always felt the cold and I find when I'm wearing wool, I'm not cold. And so well, one thing leads to another and um, we got sheep. And of course, what do you do with sheep? You have to shear them. Well, you have all of this wonderful wool. What do you do with it? Of course, you spin it and then you dye it and you knit it and you play. And in the early eighties, Betty Hare and Verna Wilson started the guild. And I'm not sure of the exact date, but it was early eighties. And word spread, and the guild started to grow, and you know, when you get more than one or two people together, the ideas just multiply exponentially. And so it became fun, the group became bigger, and I'm just a real woolaholic. Wool is just, it's one of, probably the first fiber that humans ever worked with to make clothing from to keep warm. It's um, it's organic, it's biodegradable, it's renewable, it's compostable. It'll hold up to 30% of its weight in water and still keep you warm. And the Guild has been just a wonderful way to promote natural fibers because so much of our fibers are made of plastic, mm-hmm. which is terrible for everything that the, it's oil-based, it's plastic, and we should not be wearing that. It gets made, it gets thrown out, it, gets, it doesn't decompose. I mean, it doesn't give you any warmth, it has no lasting. It, um, so the Guild has been a really wonderful way to promote natural fibers and being creative with them. We, you can do all sorts of things with wool and make What's it beautiful. Felt, is felting wool? Yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was, I think, felting. Probably the first I've heard of felting was um, in Afghanistan. The people would take the wool, and they would. Uh, they were nomadic at that point, and they would flatten it and tie it in in bundles and drag it behind their horses. Which all oh, well, of that agitation. Well, and
2: I've heard too the camels in Egypt, and you know, you would lay a piece of, of sheepskin over the and then you ride it and that's how the felting happens from the agitation because it's really only agitation and a bit of soap (laughs) that makes felt. Mm -hmm. See, that's what I want. Mm -hmm. I have no idea that Mm -hmm. that's how you make it. It's it's an unwoven
1: fabric. Mm -hmm. It
2: shrinks. Does it shrink
1: it? It it shrinks and wool has little um, hooks on it and they hook into each other and that's why if you throw a wool sweater in the washing machine it's going to shrink a whole lot. It's unwelcome felting.
2: Yeah. often. Yeah. Yeah. So did you do it as a child? Did you knit? Did you crochet? Did you other handicrafts?
1: I, I did. My mother taught me uh, how, to, how to knit and my grandmother taught me how to crochet.
2: Because it seems to me, Linus, I've known you long enough to know that nothing daunts you. You really are um, able to pick up skills and learn so many things. It, it, it seems to me you can't do, there's nothing you can, can't do.
1: I, I guess I'm just really curious, and there's so much out there that's interesting, and it's so nice to have a challenge. I think my new challenge this winter is going to be to learn ice dyeing, which Ooh, looks kind of that. oh, it, I, it looks kind of like watercolor. And you, what I what I'm, I've thought it through. I haven't tried it yet. You freeze your dye, and I only use food color dye because it's non toxic, and it's set with heat and vinegar. So I'll freeze it into ice cubes. Put the fabric to be dyed on a slanted board, put the ice cubes at the top, and they will start to melt and oh, run. Wow.
2: What a great idea. I've seen the effects. And I remember <sighs> yeah. at um, the Wasoon Conference, I believe, in uh, Timmins, there was a person who was wearing, they have, always have a, a a parade of fashion. Do you recall that she was uh, wearing an ice, uh, mm-hmm. it was made, what do you call that, ice Felting ice. I don't know fabric. I don't know. Anyway. W- would the uh, ice dye dyeing?
0: Hold... Ice dyeing. Ice mm-hmm. dyeing. Yes, that sounds like the same sort of thing. Uh, would the dye hold its color through washes and stuff? Yes. The same as yes. Here?
1: I I use. That's all I use. I've been m- making jackets and dyeing yarn, and, and and it's permanent. The only thing with with the with the food color is it has to be set with heat. So ice dyeing setting with heat is going to pose a little bit of a challenge for me, but I'm sure that I can work it out.
0: Would that be the same dye that, remember they used to add dye to the butter? I remember my grandmother mixing (sighs) butter. And maybe dye added to
2: it. Maybe. Well, it, yeah. I believe it must have been food dye because it yeah. has to be uh, edible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes.
0: yeah. And I used to think it was, like, it was poisonous, but obviously <laughs> not so. <laughs> you got the job
1: of manipulating the bag?
2: Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, I mentioned the a conference that we had, uh, in, that you and I have attended together, actually, in uh, Timmins and also in Sudbury. Uh, and North Bay. Didn't we go to North I, Bay? Together? No, I, I didn't make it to North okay. Bay. No. But anyway, I wanted to talk a bit about uh, the pandemic and the effects that that had on the guild, the Trillium Guild of Handspinners and Weavers. It
1: just really took the wind out of our sails. We were, everything was done
2: for Wassoon and it was going to be the best Wassoon ever. Wassoon we, 2020 <sighs> was supposed to take place in Huntsville. And it was a collaboration. It about, what is it was soon? What is
1: it weavers like? and Spinners
2: of Ontario North.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Because weavers and spinners don't have a lot of access to, to purchasing things, seeing things that they're going to purchase and touching them. And so we always would have lots of vendors and classes, and you'd get to see the same people, and you'd make connections. And,
2: and it, we had planned. I was part of the planning committee, as Linus was, and... Uh, there was so many plans in place. I know you did a lot with organizing the instructors. It oh, was
1: and the guest speaker we were going to have William Hodge, and it was going to be his last. William Hodge is he's a fiber artist from uh, Toronto, who has been involved in the art scene for forever. Mm-hmm.
0: Are are young people taking this
1: up? A few, a yep. few. Yes, we is have there, a few younger there, members. Um,
0: Are you active in, I know a lot of the art organizations are trying to get more young people, so I just wondered how that works with you. Well,
2: I would say that I see a few places around the table that are new this this time, this Mm -hmm. season, and I think that there are young people who are interested. I think that uh, people might not know about uh, the Guild in particular. But uh, I think that there's an interest in recycled uh, and reused materials and upcycling. Mm -hmm. And that leads us to think a bit about the transitioning uh, that you're sort of proposing for the Guild. I know you're outgoing, but you've already talked about changing the name, uh, at least locally, of of the Guild.
1: Yes, yes, because we don't just spin and weave. I mean, we do spin and weave, but we do all sorts of other things. We dye, we felt, we knit, we anything new that comes up that we're interested in, we jump in with both feet and get going on it and find someone who will, who will teach us.
2: Mm-hmm. What, uh, do you, that wasn't the first collaboration either that was planned. That was soon for um, 2020 was with Bracebridge. Pinecone treadlers we also had a collaboration with them in 2016 do you recall that
1: i do i do uh it was i i was new and it was my job to find and look after the vendors and um so i i was new to all of this organizing for the guild and and it was
2: it was it was very well done i thought we did a good job that was an exhibition, The Good Fibrations, was an exhibition at Chapel Gallery in 2016. And that was a, a, a great a joining together, I think, of the two guilds. And we've done some of that in the, uh, over the time. I've been with the Trillium Guild.
0: And you have something to do with the Rosso Market. do you...
1: I I think that the the working together with guilds is a really good idea because we all have common interests and you know when you put two people together you come up with ideas from about four or five different people
2: and they just they just expand and it's so exciting to share ideas. I think this is a good moment we're going to take a break we are going to come back with Linus and talk about Uh, the farmer's market in Rosso (laughs) as well as Fiber Arts generally.
0: By Muskoka for Muskoka. Your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine. The Bay
2: 88.7. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. This is Arts R Us on The Bay. We're back on Arts Ross. I'm Noreen Mitchell. I'm here in the studio with Karen Cassian and Arts Ross is pleased to welcome Linus Roya. And we were talking about Linus as a fiber artist, but Linus has been an activist for many years and part of founding of the, in fact, the co-founder of the Rosso market, farmer's market that takes place on Fridays in the summer months. Linus, how did that come to happen? Oh my goodness. It was the year 2000 was coming
1: up and I thought, man, this is a big deal. And I, I wanted to do something important that would benefit the community, that would benefit artists, that would benefit young entrepreneurs, old entrepreneurs. I I wanted to do something to involve the community and to make a community. So I, I thought, well, you know what, let's let's have a farmers market in Rosso. I'm a really big proponent of farmers markets. They They're an inexpensive place for people to try out ideas and for young farmers to bring their produce. It doesn't cost a whole lot of money. A lot of craft shows are very expensive and young people can't afford to do that. So here we go. Farmers market. So So there's
0: no charge for vendors? There is, but it's a minimum charge. It's 30,
1: 35 bucks a day, which is... Not and it's
0: a very successful market. I've never been there, but I hear nothing but wonderful well, things about it. It's fabulous. Yeah. It
2: is. It is, I and have to it's say. it's on the waterfront, so it's also a beautiful place to actually be on a market day. It's a perfect, day. perfect, perfect site.
0: So how many vendors would you have there?
1: Um, between 85 and 95. Oh
2: my goodness. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was it go. tough getting approvals to be able to begin?
1: It was the council didn't really they weren't they didn't want to be bothered but there was one man Jim Swift and Alex Chidley, they they really helped me they were on the council and and they were kind of my champions and you they
0: the, the Bracebridge
1: right no uh, Sequin because oh, okay. uh, Russell was in Sequin okay so the, they they really helped and they they pushed and the other counselor said oh all right and so they gave us I asked we, uh, to be given the first year at the fairgrounds with no charge, because there were three of us who threw, threw in a hundred bucks each to start the market. <laughs> and uh, so they gave us the free for the first year, and then we paid a minimum amount. And- uh, Is there a board of directors? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. And that's why the market has been successful is because of the philosophy of the board of directors, which it's, is, which is you you work for the vendors. You have to make sure that the vendors are well looked after and that they know they're well looked after and that they're happy. If you have happy vendors, that that exudes out to the customers. You have happy customers. My goodness, this past summer, it was so wonderful. Everyone was so happy to come to the market. COVID was done. I find that
0: too. People just want to get out there. Oh, there's a real feeling of that. And at the yeah. theater also. There's yeah.
2: So the, okay. the vendors are there's full-time vendors and there's guest vendors as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. So does a guest vendor end up sometimes becoming a full-time vendor? Yes. Is there a waiting list or? Yes. Well, it's um you know most most
1: vendors are really lovely people. Every now and then you get a spoiled person who, who wants their way right now and all of the time. And so people become guest vendors first and we get to kind of vet them to see if they're going to be community people cooperative. And um, if they aren't, they remain guest vendors coming once or twice a year. And if they're really good and if they... I mean, the Russell Market is a cooperative. We're a registered nonprofit cooperative. And... Our vendors need to help and do things. It's not just the, the directors the who do. Yeah. 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 And so that's mm-hmm. a big part of uh, becoming a full time vendor.
2: I know you mentioned produce and farm products, but there's a lot more. What, what could you just talk a bit about some of the kinds of things that are sold at the market? I will. I think one important thing
1: is that um, it's in our bylaws that if you are a farmer and if you produce food in Muskoka, you are welcome at the market. Period. That's great. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes.
0: And we. Do you have percentages? Like how many farmers are allowed? How many? uh, No,
1: we are not actually a farmer's market because we don't, we have too many craft vendors. Okay. I mean, this is Muskoka. You're not going to have a lot of farmers. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if we had to rely only on what we grew in Muskoka to sell at the market, we'd have rhubarb. Yeah. And then the end of July, we might, yeah, asparagus. And the end of July, we might have some beans. So, you know, we... We have invited other vendors in. There's one in particular, Willow Tree, and they do buy some of their produce, but they can only buy what they grow and they can only sell, for example, if they're grow- if they're growing carrots, they can buy carrots at the food terminal until their own come in and they can sell their own.
0: Okay. And you keep track of that? Yes, we yeah. do. Oh, wow. We interesting. do. We so, do. in
2: terms of the craftspeople, the artisans, there's every manner of kind of thing: bowls, wooden bowls. What else? Uh, what about lots the, of the guild. What do they have there? We don't well, have anything there. But log hollow does. Linus's old does. company has. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Linus. What do you have?
1: On well, I saw an archaeology. I like archaeology. We we. I saw a program last winter on the prehistoric people of Northern Europe. They buried their dead in bogs, which produced bodies that were intact as well as clothing. And I thought, oh, oh, I have to find out about this. So I I started Mr. Google and I spent some time together and I got ideas on how to go about doing this. So I, I got an old sheet and I cut it up and it made sort of a jacket and I've refined the pattern, and so now I make bog jackets out of recycled woolen blankets. But not only that, you dye them. I dye, dye them in beautiful colors. Yes. Oh, that's just the most fun. Well, you're I'm a busy lady, you <sighs> <doing all. laughs> know. Uh, it's just so much fun. I can't. I can't help it. <laughs> Um, what the heck is Hecla? <laughs> Hecla is the first Icelandic community in Canada, and that's where you live, and that's where I live in, in a, a log cabin. Yeah, yes, in a log house, and uh, I'm working on being Icelandic.
0: <laughs> oh, is that your background? No, it isn't, <laughs> but I'm working on it.
1: <laughs> uh, we had—I've joined the Icelandic Association in Toronto, and they had a um, a charter going over. To uh, of people who who are of Icelandic heritage to explore where they came from, and there were three seats left on the plane. And so, I, okay. Well, <laughs> I've been to Iceland. It's beautiful, it's and so are wonderful. the people. Eh, the yeah. people are lovely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I
2: know the bug jacket is a kind of an um, ancient uh, pattern, but it seems to repeat even in the idea of kimonos and things like that. But it's uh it's without sleeves i mean the sleeves are cut from the same piece of cloth right it's, it's one piece of cloth is that it right? is one piece of
1: cloth and you fold down one edge and that becomes the sleeves <laughs> and you make two cuts and and that's the jacket two cuts and you have a jacket this is pattern is absolutely ingenious i'm awesome. i'm so impressed with it and you know i look at the patterns that you buy in the stores today, simplicity and vogue, and so on, and they're so complicated. I mean, my goodness, mm-hmm. put people right off. If mm-hmm.
2: You mm-hmm. also, I know, mm-hmm. have recycled cashmere sweaters. You, I know that you've pulled apart sweaters to make yarn, and uh, you. I know that you've recycled woolen mittens from wool blankets. You use blankets for so many mittens. things, mm-hmm. and you. I know that you've done so many different things, and I guess there's an array of these things in the cha- ever changing at your booth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is, it is, yeah. yeah. Um, and your, your farm is called Log Hollow. Yes, Yeah. yes. So again, what are you selling
1: at the vendor's market of um, uh, I'm going to be selling bog jackets in the recycled wool. And I'm also looking at uh, some silk so that I can do the ice dyeing on silk. And I need something that is light. I mean, I sold a lot of woolen jackets in the summer, which is really surprised me so I'm, I'm going to have some silk that is going to be uh, ice dyed and I do a little knitting and a little dyeing yarn and um, whatever takes my fancy mittens of course
2: one of the things that uh, I caught my eye about the market was that you have these little these young people with green garden carts that are called market helpers yes. Yes, exactly.
1: And what is that? Well, if, if a customer
2: buys something heavy,
1: the market helpers are there with the wagon and they follow them around I love it. and take it to their car and that they get tips. And we, we give them lunch and we give them 20 bucks a day.
2: That is so great. It is I very nice. And you introduce musical acts at some point. I didn't know that because I haven't yes. been there one. But last year you had Mike Phillips, Tobin Spring and Sean Cotton, oh, yeah. and, and among, among others, yeah. the musical acts. I
1: yeah. don't want the market to be just a place to come and buy and sell. I want it to be a place where you come, you hang out, you meet people, you talk to people, you enjoy the music, you go for a swim. Well, you've convinced me. <sighs> what are the hours? 9 till 2 uh, every Friday, starting the last Friday in June, and we go until the third Friday in September. Okay, and why Friday?
2: Is that uh, Will? better than Saturday? Did you look around and see when the other markets? There were?
1: is a market every day in mm-hmm. uh, in Muskoka, in Muskoka. Yeah. and Fridays was available, and I thought, oh, well, okay. you know, we'll get. And it's people. working. Fridays is a perfect day. Perfect, perfect. And perfect you day. you also belong to the Gravenhurst market. Palmer's I do. Market. I do. And I, I
2: saw that you were a registrar. On yes, that, yeah. that is means a registrar.
1: So. That means that I get all of the applications and I have to put all of the products on um, an Excel spreadsheet. You can only sell what is on your list because um, we can't have people. We don't want direct competition. Like if if we have five people, potters, who are applying to come, they must supply photographs and we look at them and they have to be different enough that they will not compete with each other.
2: Oh, wow, that's it's fabulous! That's it's great. it's really
1: tricky mm-hmm. to get the right number. If you have too many potters, nobody does well. Um, it's it's it takes a lot of thought and, and mm-hmm. uh, time.
2: You've also taken the lead in your community in other ways, and I was going to mention that uh, I read a letter that you wrote in opposition to the uh, quarry um, that was proposed in I think around 2018, and I was going to ask you the update on that that quarry the. the I forgot was that, that the Lipa quarry? Yeah, the Lipa quarry.
1: Oh my goodness! It goes on and on and on. It must have been right around 2018. We, the Lipa was the Lipa people were making a presentation to the Council of Muskoka Lakes, and a lot of us went, and everyone had a chance to speak, and um, Mr. Allen, what's his name? a counselor, he stood up and said, I've heard enough, I, I I want to vote that we don't allow this quarry to proceed. And he said, look, he looked at all of the other counselors and they all agreed, and so they made a resolution, they passed a resolution that they were not going to let this proceed. It's proceeding, and I thought, you know, this was democracy at work. They listened to what the people said and they acted, but this. It went to the OMB, and then the OMB changed into something what Ford else. That's
2: is doing right now with the Greenbelt? Like oh boy! Yeah. So oh right boy. now the quarry is not operating.
1: It's not operating, but they're still pushing for it. Mm-hmm. They're put, and there's every reason why it should not happen. So many reasons. Developers with money.
2: I also know that you have been participating with the Kiwanis Club, with a food drive, and you've done very many things. So I want to say thank you for being such a community leader. (laughs) And I know that even though you're outgoing chair of the Trillium Guild of Handspinners and Weavers, you're still going to be one of our leaders. So I want to thank you. Well, thank you for for inviting me, and I really appreciate it. We're going to come back in just a second. We're going to talk a little bit more about what else is happening in Muskoka. We're back on Arts for Us with some events listings now. Karen, go ahead, please.
0: Well, the Huntsville Festival of the Arts continues with their fall winter season, um, and apparently they just had Matt Dusk at the Algonquin Theater um, singing Frank Sinatra, and at the end of the show, people were dancing in the aisles. I thought that was great, and it was packed, um, like most of the festival shows are, and people are they're wanting to get out there. Um, also, on December 9th and tenth, Hoxley Workman, um, a Huntsville favorite, is coming to Trinity Church for two nights. We've got tickets to that Um, a play a pie and a pint is happening at milan maine january 16th and 17th and if you have never been to that uh, for 35 dollars you get a beer and a pizza and you sit and watch four 10 minute plays and it's quite successful has been in the past and and usually the tickets sell out so get those uh, you can only buy the tickets at um, the grapevine Uh, And finally, Jan Arden is coming, my personal favourite,
2: February 11th out at Deerhurst. So look for all of those shows coming up. Um, One more thing in Algonquin Theatre. On December 15th, the Huntsville High School is uh, having a Christmas concert. And on Saturdays, December 17th, in the theatre is a comedy tour. But prior to that, that starts at 7.30, between 4 and 6 is a reception for the art show that's on right now called From the Collection Of, and I'm pleased to be part of that, as Karen is, Yes, with one of the collectors that are showing some of the works from our And our, our new mirror is also a part of that. Yeah. So check it out. hmm And so that's on currently, and it'll be on till December the 21st. Also the Huntsville Art Society has um, works in the hospice, and the hospice uh, Huntsville has showing Sylvia Kerschel's works in the month of December. And in Huntsville Public Library, Brenda Turner is at the library this month and into January. As for Muskoka Arts and Crafts, which uh, we did mention with Chapel Gallery, they have a student show which is on, and it is on until December the 16th. And that leads me to remind people that there will be a high school student show in Partners Hall of Artworks and Photography in uh, January. And in the Algonquin Room, there's still reason to go out there to the Algonquin Room Gallery at the Visitor Center, and you'll see until December 23rd, Spirit of Algonquin, Finding Life in the Forest, and that is Marissa Sweets' works. So there's still things to do, and I would mention too, New new Adventures in Sound Art up in South River, uh, has a couple of installations that are of interest until the uh, end of December. So lots of things, and maybe into January, I've forgotten the dates exactly, but that's nasa.ca if you want to check that out. So a lot's happening and there's only one Hunters Bay radio.
0: We are
2: Muskoka.